Welcome to Copilots. Welcome to the new year, and welcome to this review. Welcome to the new us. We're not changing anything, but we have rebranded ourselves as new, hopefully to get more people listening. This is now the new Copilots review. I'm going to be seeing a change in your URL and podcast feeds momentarily. Yes. It might take a while to get used to. Also, the email is now newcopilots at Gmail. Yeah. This isn't all because we lost our password to our Gmail account. That is not why we're doing this. We would never do that. Nope. Has nothing to do with that at all. Okay. Honestly, we're not going to change that. There's too much fucking effort. <laughs> we do remember the password. Don't don't <laughs> email that one, please. But anyways, it is a new year. It's officially a new year, even for us, because we we're recording this about 1230 a.m. New yep. Year's Day. So welcome to 2021. I hope your first day of 2021 has been good. Because this it's should... been inebriated. Well, I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to our to the, to the passengers. I know, and if they're smart, it's been well inebriated. I don't care how many days after the new year they're listening to this. Just spend the, all of that up until the way you listen to this episode inebriated. Let's cue the intro music. Come back and talk about what we're reviewing. What are we reviewing? This time around, we are reviewing a show that we didn't pick to review for this specific episode in, in like, any forethought, because we've actually taken the time to put all of our shows that we have possible all on a st- giant list. All the stuff that we've looked at and been like, yeah, we, we could review that. That looks bad. And all the horrible. stuff that people have suggested to us. They're on a massive list now, 50-something shows long, so, like, two years worth of shows, and we rolled... The Legend of Black Heaven. Or just Black Heaven. An anime from 1999. Which the main character is voiced by the amazing Bo Billingsley, or John Billingsley in this case, who you might recognize as Jet from Cowboy Bebop if we're just talking mainstream, popular, extremely awesome anime. Yeah. I mean, I didn't recognize him, but I'm terrible at voices, so. Yeah. Yeah. Also, also his his name in the credits wasn't Bo, so how was I supposed to know? Yeah, it's John Billingsley. You're the one that put this on the list. Why? Because up until the end of its description, it just sounded kind of like, okay, yeah, that sounds like a thing. It's not something I've seen before from like an anime. It doesn't sound bad. And then the end is just suddenly out of left field in the description. I'm just like, oh, you just <laughs> you just made a massive swerve on me there, show description. It's either going to be horrible or probably horrible, but maybe good. So let's watch it. And if you want to watch the show for yourself after we review it, you can find it on Verve. Is it Crunchyroll specifically? Or? I do believe it is the Crunchyroll branch of Verve. Okay, so Verve. If you want to, if you want to find it, you can. So episode one, again, nineteen ninety nine, is entitled "Stairway to Heaven," which is the beginning of episodes, all of which will be titled "Song Stuff." I mean, I wouldn't say song stuff. They're all titled after songs. Yeah, and songs are song stuff. Anyways. Yeah. Um, this episode opens in space. It does. And we get like a bunch of random noise. Which based on how you described the show to me, based on the description you read, threw me off. Yeah. Because I, I left the bottom part of the description off for him. But we get a bunch of distorted sounds. Yeah, like dial-up modems, cars, sirens. Sirens, traffics. And then as we're slowly moving over, panning over to our right, we started with some guitar. So really nice sounding like a guitar solo, and then we start adding some drums. But well, no, like when the guitar solo kicks in, in time with the music, are two flashing lights in the distance, yes. keeping time with the music. And then when our drums hit, we see the lasers go off. Yeah, it's kind of like an extraterrestrial light show. Yeah, and the great part is we both assume in this moment that all the sounds we're hearing are the radio wave pollution or just sound pollution coming from Earth into space. Yeah. 100%. That's what that's what it's meant to be. So, we have two groups of entities fighting. I labeled them as alien armadas. I know it's not clear that one of them is alien because it could be an Earth Defense Force or something. There but is one that looks vaguely possibly Earth because they are backed up to the great blue sphere that is our planet. And are in like a dull gray. So I just assumed they were both aliens. I wasn't entirely sure just because the backdrop of Earth is like stereotypical sci-fi look, we're using Earth as a backdrop to let you know we represent Earth. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, I just assumed it was two alien groups fighting. Like, Yeah, especially with the description I gave you. Mm-hmm. Which, so, 
I guess we can get to that after we finish listening and I'll explain what the description was. But the entire time they're fighting, the news, the fight is set to this music that's playing. And it is wonderfully done. Um, then we transition over to a satellite coming across, I don't remember what it's called, but... The horizon? I, I mean, it's not the word, but it... It's coming around the planet Earth, like, from yes. the side. And it has the sun behind it. And we zoom in on it, and it's this giant satellite thing. Most satellites are pretty giant. And our guitar music kind of just goes into its own extreme solo, and it's great. It's interspersed with hand drawings of someone playing the guitar as well. Yeah, because as that's happening, the giant satellite thing's front is opening up, and there's this giant, like, almost gym-looking thing in the middle it's that a giant, appears to it's, be charging. It's a giant laser gun. Yeah, it appears to be charging up. And in between scenes of it charging up, we get interspersed hand drawn someone playing the guitar. Yep. And you said you wanted to dive into the description of the show before we... After that scene, so... Well, there's one part. Oh, yeah, sorry. The giant laser then blows away what looks like the more alien-looking armada. I couldn't tell if it blew away one armada or two, but yeah. Yeah, and it looked like it hit a planet in the background. By the time we finished these two episodes, it's very clear that it just blew up the one armada. Yes. Yeah. So, then, just to inform why Josh is so confused at this point, the description I gave him was just the first half of the description of the show, which is, it's about a man named OG, who is a middle-aged businessman. Washed-up rock star? Washed-up rock star, who isn't happy with his life. That's it, basically. That was the description. And we start with a fucking space battle. Yeah, so, um, speaking of, after the, the armadas, after one of the armadas is pretty much blown up, we then transition from the explosion... To an image of, of the sun on the horizon and a man drinking tomato juice. Yes. We zoom, we zoom out from the sun into his apartment. And he throws away the, the can of tomato juice. It's empty now, obviously. Then we get the title card and what is presumably the show's slogan. Hard Rock. Save the space. Yep. And then it's the intro time. Which is this intro is kind of fucking fire. Yeah. I have very few notes about it because it is eclectic. Um, first of all, fire. there's a man with a newspaper face. His, his face is just... Oh, you're talking about the OP animation. My bad. Yeah, I was just talking about the song. Both. Both are great. The man's face is just plastered with newspaper, and it's weird and great. And it ends fading into another person's face. It's it's weird. The music is amazing. It's almost like an eclectic music video from like the late 80s early 90s that you got from like some hard rock bands or metal bands oh that and like the art style throughout the music video changes drastically like yes. we get some stuff that looks like what james obar did in the crow like these elongated but hyper realistic people yeah and then like we transition to the cg well, um there's that pose where that one blonde guy is just like posed on that chair and sprawled out with the cigarette and it looks like how the crow is posed for like i'm on top of the angel in in the comics and yeah. he's brought out so it like looks when he's sitting it's i think it's just one of the fucking chapter art pages yeah so it looks like that post from the crow but it looks like it's um uh the strong out guy i can't remember the name of it looks like yeah, him. The, hero, the um morphine addict yeah it, it looks like him but in the crow just sprawled out on the angel pose funny boy yeah the crow is my favorite graphic novel of all time so it's pretty great it's not my favorite, but it's pretty great. Other than the animation, there's something we need to hit on here. Because this isn't just any random OP. Like, it's no, not just a no, random Japanese song playing on an anime, which is what you would expect. This is a fucking rock legend. Johnny Sykes from Thin Lizzy and Whitesnake fame. And Blue Murder. And his song, Cautionary Warning. And my god, is it fucking great here. Um, And Unexpected. I actually had to look up if this, if this song was commissioned for the anime. Because I knew it was around 1999 that it came out. Unfortunately, the song is from the tail end of 97, so not quite commissioned for the anime. Not like Tyler Carter's song from God of High School, which was made for the anime. It's yeah. So good. But, but yeah, this is, either way, it's a, it's a great and unexpected song. Just this is kind of a weird instance. Eastern animation using Western music. Yeah, but my God, do I love it. Um, there's a lot of that in this show, actually. Well, yeah, because... Like, from my understanding, a lot of the metal and hard rock scene of Japan is heavily influenced by the Western world because, well, the Western world very much kind of pioneered hard rock and metal. Yeah. Um, anyways, after the OP, we get the episode title card, which 
is less common nowadays, but was yeah. more common in the 90s when the show came out. Absolutely. Like, I think probably one of the most famous shows for its set cards is Cowboy Bebop. Like, Yeah, Session, whatever, because they were jam sessions, and I fucking love the fact that it cost them Sessions. So the cool music leads to the main character giving a voiceover. And oh. he's just in his apartment, like, going about his morning routine, like, getting ready to brush his teeth and brushing his teeth and such. Describing him as melancholy would be an overstatement of how positive he is. This man is experiencing the full depths and onsets of ennui. Full nihilism dashed with with some apathy thrown in. Literally, the man's, like, tone of voice and even his what he's talking about strikes me very much as a Jean-Paul Sartre um, thing. I'm not sure if I'm saying his fucking last name correct. It's French. Um, but nausea, if you've ever read it, which is kind of just about the mundanity of day-to-day life and following a character that does that, the beginning of this with this man feels so much like that because he's talking about just like literally a quote from him in the beginning of this is, I wish people wouldn't ask me my name. My identity has long been lost. I am nothing more than a transparent being because he's talking about how he's just like a pointless cog for society he has no identity other than what society has deemed him to do it's a very dark tone in the fact that so before before apathetic before i go where this took where this took me i want to ask a question yeah out of the two of us who is the bigger weeb oh that's me a hundred percent so it's hilarious to me that you immediately went for a Western. A Western philosophy. But yeah. F- but for me, our main character, Oji, had such like similarities to Osamu Daisai to me. Like The moment you said it, I didn't disagree. It, like I was like, yeah, he feels like everything he's talking about feels very similar to like the ideas and things Osamu Daisai talked about in his novels. Yeah. Well, someone does that, by the way, wrote a novel called Less Than Human. Uh, amazing novel. And it's a semi-autobiographical novel that is just straight nihilism given form because the entire story is about a protagonist based on Dazai. Yep. Who, because of how he's forced to live because of society as just a cog in a capitalist machine, feels like he is less than everybody around him and that he has no purpose in life and oh yeah life no. has no meaning this show it. is definitely more inspired by does i i guarantee it <laughs> but my mind went to the one i know better like having read thoroughly and like also read the person's philosophy more oh yeah no it, it was just weird to me because like you're a hundred percent the weeb yeah um so but yeah this character is a like textbook case nihilist and we know that this man seems to have more than just like being a just like office worker because he has a wife and a kid yeah we see them in the opening scene and it's but it's a really small apartment because they're all sleeping in the same room yes yeah so from there we get his wife calling out to him to take out the trash yeah take out the trash on his way to work and as he's taking his trash out we see what looks to be a broken guitar sitting in the trash yeah it's just the bottom of the guitar is inside the cinched up bag but we see its neck sticking out and, and the strings are all disarrayed. Yeah, they're not cut, but they are still strong. It's mm. just he wound the strings and they didn't cut off the excess, which some people don't. I don't know why, but some people don't. Um, and as he exits his building with this trash in hand, he's surprised by a group of girls who are doing calisthenics. I mean, if you say it like that. They're doing morning calisthenics, which is, a, a according to anime, a common Japanese thing, radio calisthenics. They don't have a radio, which makes it a bit odd, I guess. But they're all just doing calisthenics, casting out, doing it in time. Yeah, but it's not what they're doing, which is totally normal based on everything I know about Japanese culture. Yeah. It's where they're doing the calisthenics. What's wrong with doing calisthenics on top of a metal awning above a bike port? I hear it now that I say it out loud. <laughs> I was just going to stare sus. at you till you got that. Like, <laughs> Yeah. So uh, OG just kind of takes off after looking at them for a moment. And he says a lot, he says to himself that they were too scary to tangle with. Yeah, because he's just an old working class guy. And people like him don't trust things out of the ordinary. Yep. And it's not that they don't trust. He literally says they're scared by anything out of the norm. Yeah. And then 
as he takes off, we do zoom in on these three, so apparently they're going to be important. And we just get them all looking at him and going, hmm, I don't know why you're homing a man running away from you three weirdos standing on top of a awning that has no easy way up because it's lined up on the sidewalk. There's nothing for no, them to no, even there, climb. There is windows behind them. He's my yeah, immediately yeah. thought. Was, I guess they would have to climb out the windows. My thought was, oh, they live in that apartment. And for some reason, they've chosen to do their morning calisthenics on this bike port. I mean, the property owner is not going to stop. You might as well use it as a balcony. Uh, no, 100%. I, I, I feel like putting chairs up there. It looked curved. Chairs might not be the most. I could easy. weight them down. Yeah, okay. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so he runs to the bus stop to catch his ride to work. And he said he, he says he has a 10-minute bus ride and then an hour-long train commute. And he doesn't say this like, oh, hey, these are just the facts of my life. He says it was like, oh, God. I have to ride the bus for 10 minutes. And then an hour-long train ride. And this is just part of the le- my life that I have to fucking deal with. And this just makes the 9 to 5 day even that much longer. And then he just screams all of a sudden. The bus screeches to stop. I'm assuming it has like those pull cords in it. Yeah, that's my assumption. Um, where you can be like, hey, no, I need to get off right here, not at an actual stop. And he runs off and has one of those classic anime giant dust clouds behind him. Mm-hmm. And my favorite part here is, as he's running, we're getting like just shots of his legs or his face. And... In time, it just seems to be with his running, we're getting this chugging guitar, these chugging guitar chords, which are really well done with it, and he ends up back in in the trash bin area, where he where he's freaking out because he realizes that his guitar was in the trash. Um, so he manages to find it, digs it out of the trash, takes it back up to his apartment, and puts it back in the case. And then he's like, wait, I have to hide it. Because my wife fucking threw it away, which he does stop to yell at his wife to wake up because he's upset. She, she just doesn't. Yeah. Um, while he's doing this outside, the um, girls who are doing calisthenics are talking to each other. Who I have decided to label blue, red, and green because that, that is their hair colors and their color out of their outfits. What were they? Blue, red, and green. Yeah, so I would name them left, middle, right, which falls apart after this scene. Yeah, yeah. So blue, red, and green. Assign them now. So blue is like, he's definitely running late to work. Yes. And then they kind of just comment that he's wasting his life. That was red. Yeah. Red comments that he's wasting his life. And then green, out of fucking nowhere. nowhere. Do you really think someone like him could be the Messiah? And then both red and blue are like, I, I don't, don't know. know. Uh, green says it too. All three of them. Oh, yeah. Know. She replies I to for, her own question. Yeah. So then blue questions the other two about their disguise and so, if it's working because they're getting some weird looks. And by weird looks, they mean that people walking by are calling them freaks and such. And weirdos. And the others are just like, According to our research, every day in Japan starts off with radio calisthenics. Yeah, but we're getting weird looks. And we see people walking by. Some teenage girls are like freak alert. And we get this young girl stopping like to stare at them and just goes, Mommy, why are they on top of the building? And, and her, her, all, mom, her all, mom's just like, come on, let's go. Then all three of the color girls tilt their head and go, oh, oh well. And yep. continue their exercise. I don't think the issue, though, is them doing morning calisthenics which is what they think the problem is i think the issue is probably where they chose to do the morning calisthenics i think so that makes sense yeah i mean it just makes the most sense to me um after that we cut to shino megora corp shimo megador corporation i couldn't read it there's a red line underneath it because (laughs) those aren't words i mean they are i don't i doubt that megaro and shimo are actual words oh no 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 Megaro is probably like a bastardization of the English word mega. Possibly. So we cut there and we see OG is being yelled at for being late by someone at the desk just labeled administrator. So his boss. Mm-hmm. And the boss it's is like, like, uh, like, this isn't just you bet you're late. It's why are you late? I live further away. Why can't you yeah. get here on time? Uh, da, no, da, da, da. The boss doesn't even say that he lives further away. He says he doesn't live in Tokyo. To which OG points out. I don't live in Tokyo either, technically. I live in a suburb close to Tokyo. I don't live in Tokyo either, though, man. And the boss just continues to yell at him, so he's just like, peace out, deuces, and walks away. Well, he doesn't quite walk away. Um, His boss actually, like, it's not like his boss is just telling him off either. Like, his boss is like, you're nothing but a worthless bag of trash. Which, yeah. if this is what you have to deal with every day, and then, like, a wife who is like, hey, bro, how's it work for you? Are you uh, a worthless bag of trash? My supervisor doesn't speak to me that way. Not anymore. <laughs> yeah. His line relies on me. Yeah, I know. 
Um, my point is, I honestly can get away with so much shit right now. Yeah, no, no, I realize. I was just getting to the point that bosses are shite. Oh no, bosses are a hundred percent shite. Anyways, though, so as OG walks off, his boss like gets up to follow him and yet continue to yell him, and a blonde lady walks up and tells the boss to calm down and that bosses shouldn't act to their underlings like that. It doesn't make work better for anyone. Yeah, and she's right. Like, it doesn't help being a dickbag. Doesn't help get work done productively or effectively yeah. and this guy immediately calmed down so i'd assumed like at this point that she was like a higher up yeah but they also mentioned that this is her first day yeah then they immediately was like it's her first fucking day and i'm like okay so what this presents to me is and then from what we see of her working later she doesn't really seem to do anything but what it seems to me is this guy just it gives him a creep vibe because he immediately listens to this pretty lady who has no bearing in the company whatsoever and it seems to be just so he can be on her good side I mean, and she appears to be Zunderling. She's quote unquote the the transfer. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. Like she's quote unquote doing an audit or something, and maybe like that's why. Maybe I have no idea. It just gave me kind of creep vibes to the boss, which wasn't hard. He was already a dick. Yeah. So while she's telling the boss to stop being a dick, um, OG is at his desk trying to call his wife. I don't know why he would be trying to call his wife. Like the morning went off without a hitch, right? And um, this lady tells. The director, um, I'm gonna go introduce myself to the new to the assistant section head, and so she heads over to Ojai's desk, which means Ojai's the assistant section head. Yeah, Oji is actually a pretty important role in this fucking job of whatever it is he's fucking doing. So she's standing there while he's trying to call his wife, and he hangs up. Then he gets a call. He's like, "Shinmegaro Corporation, whatever," and it's Yoshiko, his wife. And she's like, wait, so you were trying to call me? And she's like, yeah. Because at first he's like, who could she be trying to call? Mm-hmm. Like, she doesn't talk to anybody. She has no life. Yeah. So he starts immediately trying to go about on this. He immediately sets about trying to tell his wife, don't throw away my guitar. Yeah, like, don't don't even touch it. It's my guitar. Don't throw my shit away. Like, come on. And the entire time she's like, the coffee maker's broken. And he's like, no, no it's not. You, I, you have to fucking close the the bean tray. She's stupid and, and a terrible wife. Yeah. So, I don't care what, what anybody listening to this says. I have a bass guitar in my closet I haven't touched in six months. Yeah. Mainly because I work all the time, which so does OG. Yes. If I came home and it was thrown in the trash, I would have one less brother in my life. The same applies to my guitar in I would have one my less, closet. I would have one less brother living. Yeah, the same applies to the guitar I have in my closet. So. Yeah, like... We understand this. You don't just throw away people's shit without asking. Like, mm Especially not something that has sentimental value, which we learned this guitar has a fuck ton of sentimental value to OG. Especially not shit that has, like, a monetary value, value either, like, yeah. Like, you just don't throw away people's shit. Yeah, you so, anyways, though, the blonde girl, it, just ignoring the fact that he doesn't like phone call, introduces herself as Layla Yuki. And she keeps trying to introduce herself while he's talking to his wife. Yes. She's not letting him get a sentence out because, um... Yeah, also, I think we both forgot to note something. Our immediate suspicion when we were first introduced to this character. Oh, yeah. Um, we, we were both immediately like, she's another one of the aliens. Yeah, she's 100% another alien. And at that point, I was like, I'm also 65% certain that all of the aliens of this species are humanoid women. To which my immediate response was, it's probably like 85 90%. It's anime. Yep. Or at least all the ones we're going to see are pretty women. Yeah, so, well, he's she keeps trying to introduce herself and... Um, eventually his, his boss comes over and hangs up the phone for him because quote unquote, he's embezzling money from the firm by using the company line during work time. Yes. How? I don't know, but also fuck corporations anyways. It's 1999. I'm pretty sure not even in 1999, local calls were being charged by the minute. I assume the embezzling from it is that he's on the clock. So he's not spending his time working, so that's what that's where he's stealing from the company. Oh, it's kind of like how I can't... But you know, it's also coming from a society where you're expected to work over for no overtime pay. It's not like unheard of to fucking fall asleep at your desk and everyone's cool with that. Stay over the fucking night in the office. Like, fuck off. If I need to call my wife for a few fucking minutes and you expect me to stay till like 2 a.m., even though everyone else has fucking left, fuck off. Yeah. Um. After he's forcibly disconnected, Layla thinks to herself... Can this one truly be this messiah? So, um... Immediate confirmation. She's an alien. Yeah. Bam! We were right. And then we just spend the next bit watching Layla watch OG, and she's taking notes on the notebook and looking extremely serious. Yep. And Uh, being blatantly obvious about her observing of him. 
Yep. At lunch, his boss braids him some more. He's like, why aren't these done yet? These were supposed to be done earlier. And, and Ojai's like, I'll have them done after lunch. No, no, it's not even that they're not done. His boss is yelling at him, them, to him to do them again. Oh, okay. And he doesn't clear up what the problem is. And Oji looks confused and just like, fine, whatever. Yep. So Layla eventually stalks him into a bathroom that she promptly rushes out of because it's a men's bathroom. And, um... She's not man? I don't think any of these aliens are men. Yeah, no. Um, in a meeting room by herself, um, he, she's talking out loud to herself and she's like... No, no, I think she's just thinking because her mouth doesn't oh. move. The show doesn't have, like, an echo effect when they're thinking, but Oji was thinking the entire time in the beginning and nothing was... Like, okay. there's no echo effect like you normally get. But she, she's thinking... He, ser- he certainly doesn't seem like savior material. Could the sound really be em- emanating from him? Yep. We don't know what the sound is. We can easily assume it's musical related. Though. So after work, he heads off, not towards the station, which means the three girls who are stalking him, the ones from the rooftop earlier. Red, blue, and gle- green in their suits, glasses, and beanies. Are surprised that he's not going home, which yes. to be fair, with a wife like his, who would want to go home? I'd actually point out, I really like the way they did like the background for the city it because it, it was very like vague shapes but they didn't just like rectangulars of multiple colors i liked it because of its minimalism and it really stood out from what we've seen so far of it mm-hmm. that was probably the best artistic moment like also the... i i really like it because of where he ends up yeah we get this more expressionistic art and then he ends up in a music store yep so at the music store He's talking to the guy who probably runs the music store. I, I immediately assumed he was owner. He is taken down as an owner in my notes. Yeah, so they've known each other since before Ojai got married. Mm-hmm. Um, because the guy's like, man, you know, you've changed, bro. You've changed since marriage. And Ojai's like, yeah. You've changed, you've changed since, since you had a kid. kid. He's like, yeah, I, I had to. That's like how you continue to exist in this world. You change so you can survive. And, and friend- then you don't like who you became. And his friend's like... No, nah, don't give me that shit. That's bullshit. And he throws a, he, th- he throws a newspaper at OG. He's like, don't try waxing philosophical to me. And when OG opens up the newspaper, it has an article about UFOs in Japan. And Michael Schechner. I just want to make a, make a point. Justice, you thought the UFO in this was referring to aliens. I did, because when I we went back and watched the scene, when I initially was looking at it, I didn't see that this article was like all one article. Mm-hmm. Like and the first, because I, I just focused on the first the, headline we get titled is UFO, UFO attacks. attacks. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just focusing on the English translation of the title of the headline. And then it goes up to Michael Schechner. Michael Schechner is in Japan. I was like, one, I was like immediately Michael Schechner. That name is really fucking familiar. Yeah. So it turns out Michael Schechner is a guitarist for the German band UFO. Yes. Which immediately clicked. I was like, oh, fuck. I'm an idiot. They're not different articles. It's all one article. UFO attacks. Because they're in Japan. And so, I feel like a massive fucking idiot. You should. But in my defense, I wasn't focused on the actual art going on. I was focused on the words. And as we get the words, it is UFO attacks. And then it's Michael Schechner. And they have this audible gasp, which in like any other show or movie or anything would be a swerve because here's this really, what would be a really important thing. And then here's this minor thing that actually matters to the character. Yeah, but it's all, it's all the, it's all the same thing. Yes, I get it. Um, apparently like the shopkeeper at this music store is trying to like make a point to OG because Schechner and OG are about the same age. Yeah. They both played guitar in pretty successful rock bands. And, and OG refer OG and the owner both refer to Schechner as the god. Yeah, and OG ended up quitting and Schechner is still doing his thing. Yes. So um, this we get a flashback here of OG of OG when he Which the flashback is triggered by the owner plugging in a guitar and starting to play yeah and based on the size of the crowds he was more than moderately successful like that was yeah that was like a two thousand person crowd easy peasy yes absolutely and which does make sense with the information we get at the end of the episode yeah so he gets home and his wife come, is coming out of the bathroom and well, no, no no he gets home oh yeah i was gonna the next time he gets home sorry yeah he and gets get- home and his wife coming out of the bathroom runs into him and apparently she, she was sleepwalking because she just falls asleep against him. Yeah, and he, he like kind of smiles and he's like, and then going she's back like, to bed. And she's like, after she gets back in bed, she's like, I, well, I didn't What, what I'd it. like to point out here is, this is the one moment that actually he seems happy. Yeah. Because he was just playing music. He was talking about music. Like You can tell music makes him happy. Like, his wife that he was pissed off and he's exasperated with. He, he just like kind of wry smiles and he's like, 
go back to bed. And he literally directs her back to bed because the room's still dark. Yeah, and she's like, I didn't make a mistake. This morning. It's okay to throw guitars in non-flammable trash. Yeah. And then she's like, in fact, I barely got it out in time. And so he freaks out because, and immediately runs over to his guitar case and opens it. And instead of being filled with a beautiful flying V guitar, filled with toys. Okay, so if you throw something out that isn't broken, isn't trash, but you like, we don't need it. We can throw it away. And it, A, doesn't belong to you. And B, the person it belongs to is like, no, and brings it back into the house. What makes you think, I'm going to throw it away again? Also, I'd like to question, what is the fucking point of keeping a guitar case if you're throwing its fucking guitar away? What's the point of throwing a guitar away? No, 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 that, that is a valid e- point. E- even, like, even a damaged The idiocy could, gets like, more because she throws the guitar away and then just puts toys in only the V section of the guitar because that's the only fucking spot that will hold toys because the rest of it is a chaos form to a guitar to keep a guitar safe. I mean, there's no point in even throwing it away. Like, worst case scenario, you could sell it for 50 bucks. Yeah. Like. Anyways, though, we get more of him yelling and the running interspersed with the guitar to, like, imitate almost the meter at which he's running. Yeah, he runs back to the trash area, but the trash has been taken for the day. So he charges to the dump. And he got, he literally digs through piles of trash looking for his guitar. And then he claps to his knees and screams in agony. Soul piercing agony because he can't find it. And he gives up and goes to a ramen stand. Uh, yeah, a street side ramen stand stall. And just starts getting drunk on sake, which. Yeah, all while lamenting the fact that his guitar is gone. It has its own name. I, don't, I didn't catch its name. He never said a name. I'm, I'm fairly certain he yelled its name when he opened the guitar case, but I never went back to Jack. I think you're wrong, but don't know. Either uh, way, <clears throat> he's extremely torn up about it. Yeah, and he's complaining to the, the ramen shop owner. And he's like, my flying V, it's gone. Mm. And he eventually asks for some type of like cake. Cake thing. It's a, it's a triangular shaped food. So the moment on the plate, he immediately burst out bawling again because it reminds him of his flying V. And it's roughly the same color and kind of vaguely the same shape. Yes. And as he's crying and mourning his flying V. Layla shows up. And, and orders sits down next to him. Yeah. So uh, she reintroduces herself. Because this man is drunk and clearly not in a normal state of mind. And what are you saying? Are you saying you can't be drunk and in, norm- and in a normal state of mind? That should stay in because you've been drinking and this proves a point. But that's not what I'm saying. But he's clearly not is what I'm saying. Like he, he's not in a calm state of mind. He's upset. He's been drinking a lot. But I don't know she, what you mean. She then introduces him for himself, giving his name, well, his given name, his family name and she's like no that's not right okay. you're well, not how about you're, you're gabe not, you're not ojai tanaka how about gabriel or gabe leader of black heaven gabriel tanaka yeah and she's like i was a huge fan you're i can still feel the warmth of your shows as she like sidles up next to him and like grabs him by his arm yeah and he's just like what and then she's like you don't have to go back home tonight do you well before that though she oh. does she's like yeah leader of uh, the popular band from like 15 years ago that had so many popular songs and charts and everything like we learned they were extremely popular yeah and then she's like you don't have to go back home tonight do you let me show you the way to heaven yeah and then he fantasizes about having a one-night stand with her and it's not like he fantasizes it's not pg yeah no not not really i know our podcast is rated m and that's because we cuss we cuss we talk about things that aren't rated PG. But if you are, I would say this is like the scene isn't even PG-13. I don't know. I think the scene might be PG-13 because we don't get anything Maybe explicit. PG-13 by, the, by 1985, 1990 standards. Well, we don't get anything besides like flashes of leg and like skin. No. Maybe I'm wrong. You're, I don't you're, think you're, we saw anything really. You're wrong here. We get full on areola, areola nipples. And, Did we? Yeah. I have no idea. Like, okay. So yeah, it's rated R then. Yeah. Um. So just want to throw that out there. The show is explicit, but only in this one scene from what we've seen. So yes. And as he comes out of this fantasization, and as he comes out of this fantasization about having a one night stand with her, he is already somewhere else with her, in hand in hand. Um, at a model home. Yes. Which are new in this area. And so he's slightly confused, and she's just like, "We're already almost there." 
and opens the door to one of the model homes. Yeah, and they're holding hands right yes. now. Yeah. And she's leading them farther in and she opens another door. And this door spills out a glowing bright white light. Well, sorry, I'm right before she opens that door, she makes him promise not to tell anyone else about what's going to happen mm-hmm. tonight. And this, this is extremely important. Yep. So this door opens and it spills out this glowing bright white light and they both step through the door. Yeah. Um, when he come, when we transition to the next area, the next scene, he finds himself alone at the bottom of a glowing blue staircase. Well, you forgot the title, uh, the name of the episode drop. Oh, yeah. When he sees the light, he gasps and he's just like, what is it? And she goes, it's the stairway to heaven. Yeah. And then when he comes through, he's at a giant stairway, but she's by, not by his side. Yeah, anymore. by himself, yeah. But walking up the staircase, he sees his flying V cleaned up, restringed, and sitting on a guitar stand. Well, at first, it doesn't seem like he even knows it's his flying V because he talks about how nice it looks. And then when he picks it up, he says it's seemingly reborn. Yeah, so it is his, though. Like we get, yeah, he, he doesn't seem to realize it's his until he touches it because it looks so new. Yeah, she also mentioned earlier that she was going to reunite him with his flying V. Mm-hmm. Like, and so then from the side... Flayler kind of steps into this scene. And... He, and he asks her if he can hold the guitar, and she's like, you can do whatever you want to her. Yeah, and then she kind of asks slash commands him to, like, play it. Yeah, so he, but before that, he hugs the guitar against his body and, like, yeah. cries a bit. And then she asks him to play for her. It's already plugged into an amp, but we don't see where the amp is. Yeah, and she flip, she... he Well, he pats his pockets yeah. looking for a pick. And she tosses him a 10 yen coin. Oh, is that what that is? I just said a coin because I don't know Japanese money because well, you're we, the weeb. We saw the tin on it. You're you're the weeb. We saw the fucking tin on it. No, you saw the fucking tin on it. <laughs> I'm the weeb because I paid attention to this scene. Yes. <laughs> okay. So then he begins playing a guitar solo and playing, you can tell, makes him feel whole. Yeah, because he literally at a point says, I'm back. He thinks I'm back. And for her, the whole experience is very sexualized. Like she's making... She's gasping, moaning, and she's like, that's it. That's the sound. Yeah, so the show then cuts to the end credits and an end theme, and the, the end, end theme is... song is kind of upbeat, and it's just a simple drum beat with some piano here yeah, and there. it's an upbeat... And the occasional record scratch out of nowhere. There's a little... There's some lyrics to it, too, but it's an upbeat yeah. pop song, and it's kind of... Nah. And it's played over images of the exercise girls all sharing the same bed together. Seemingly completely naked. Yep. Yeah, the ending is very contrasting to the beginning of the show. The ending doesn't belong on this show based on this first episode. So like, what are your thoughts of the show in general after this first episode? I'm torn by this show. There's something about it, and I, I know we kind of talked this over last night, but something about the show doesn't jive with itself. Like, the show has this deep undercurrent of nihilism and sadness that's highlighted by the idea that art is meaningful and, like, is important to people and like without it lives are meaningless yes but at the same time there's there's something about like the sticky comedy moments that just don't fit into the story so to me it feels like we have this really really dark tone this mm-hmm. dark depressing tone we have this kind of bright light-hearted whimsical tone in just like the way the story is presented yeah and instead of doing it the way you should do something where you want to have that dichotomy of both things they don't underscore either one of these other tones with moments of the other it's either we're being dark and depressing or we're being lighthearted and whimsical yeah but in addition to that this episode in particular handles music in two competing ideologies the one is this idea that music is religion yes and that it can literally save people from destruction and like both literally and metaphorically like it can save OG from this life of monotony, but it can save Layla and her people from a competing alien race. Yes. At the same time, it paints music as this over-sexualized way, almost a fan service way that reminds me of how Food Wars handles cooking and food. Yeah. It also has the kind of destructive tone to it as well, because, yeah, OG can save them, but how does he save them? By playing music to destroy the other people. Well, we don't really have that yet, so... Well... But also, we see that music is kind of what's led him to where he is in life. So you could argue that that's partially what's responsible for his life being destroyed. Mm-hmm. Individually, I like a lot of the stuff that's going on in the show. It just doesn't seem to know how to fit itself together. It does not gel. Yeah. So for me, I very much agree with like all of that. I actually got like basically all of my fucking points out by just talking with you about it. Yeah. The only other thing is, uh, now that that's really that's it. 
I made like a slight comparison to Fully Coley just because they both involve music and have dark tones and really light tones, but Fully Coley knows how to mesh its tones. Yeah. This does not. Yeah. Other than that, I'm definitely still on board to watch more after this first episode. I am intrigued, not by the fucking alien bullshit, but like more by like OG as a person and his life. Also, I have the question of why the fuck did he marry this woman? I mean, that question is not going to get any easier. It's just going to get more complicated. It does. It gets more complicated. It gets more complicated the moment we get to the starting scene of the next fucking episode. So let's go to episode two, All Night Long, which is, again, named after a song. We've established the pattern. All, all the episodes are named after songs. Now, the new question is, is that song title relevant to the episode? Last episode it was. I mean, I don't know. So we do start this episode with another... With the first speaking lines, or spoken lines, they still appear to be thoughts coming from OG, and they are also still depressing. And it's OG just talking about how the only time he really lived was when he was young and in the spotlight with his friends. Yeah, when Black Heaven was a band, that when everybody had each other's backs. When they burned his brother the sun, and now he doesn't really have anything. Yes. And then we get the intro. <laughs> yep, then we get the intro, and we cut to OG, OG, sorry, yeah. lying on his futon, and his son Gen, that's his son's name. Yes. Is throwing around a record, uh, pretending it's a flying saucer. Yes, talking about how he's beating the evil villains and stuff. And OG's like out of it, like staring up at the ceiling and kind of just reminiscing. Well, he's like, was that all a dream? Like, Yeah, he's like half asleep, wondering if everything with Layla was a dream. How did I get back to my bed? Like, what happened? And Yoshiko, his wife, pops in and she's just like, Hey, Jin, you need to start getting ready or we'll be late. Yeah. And then she's like... Ojai, you need to be ready, getting ready too, or you're going to be late for work again. Yeah. And his wife has popped in long enough, and she's staring directly at their son. She sees what her son is doing. She literally asks him what he's doing. He's like, yeah, I'm playing with my new flying saucer alien, da 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 yeah. And so when OG sits up, he's like, wait a minute, what are you playing with? And we see the camera move over, and we see his records. Mm-hmm. And out of those, there's a sleeve. And it's a sleeve for a signed Michael Schechner record. So, so the guy, he considers the god. Well, it's not a Michael Schechner. It's Michael Schechner and Supergroup. It's the Michael Schechner group, the and Michael it's Schechner the album Assault yeah. Attack. Yeah. Which, evaluated for today, at least, currency is, what is it? Price-wise, around? Based on sold listings on eBay. Signed ones, yes. $800. Yeah. Now, obviously, it probably wasn't worth that 21 years ago. Probably oh my not. Fucking god, twenty one years ago was. But to be fair, yet. Michael Schechner's still not dead, so yeah. So the, yeah. the actual value of this record is still going to keep going up. He's immediately like, "Oh hell no!" So he's, he's like talking to something, he's trying to get his son to hand it back to him, and his son's like, "Nope," flips it out the window, yes. throws it out the window. Um. Also, they're on the top floor of their apartment. Mm-hmm. So from here, the show continues. But I have taken a moment off my notes. To make a more important note, fuck his family. Well, no, hold on. I should. We just need to hit. As soon as the flying saucer flies out the window and off the balcony, yes, Odrai jumps up and starts running out of the apartment. Yes, to go get it. You can. You can go ahead. So, I have an aside here, and it's just this: fuck his family. First, his wife throws away his last guitar. Last guitar. He mentions it's his last guitar, which means he's had others, and he's kept this one, which implies that there's sentimental value we see in the previous episode and there's ba- immense value behind based it. on his reminiscence this is the guitar he played on stage with, with his, his band. band yeah yeah who were not just a successful local band which even if it was it still doesn't matter it's an important thing but he was part a member of a successful band this is the guitar he played so it's worth more i guarantee you than just a normal fucking flying v you sell this to a fucking black heaven fan you're making fucking money you're making massive banks sign your name on it Gabriel Tanaka. Yeah, but whatever. And she's no fucking remorse for it in that episode. And then, So that's already a problem. And then when she asks her son what he's doing, she obviously knows that's one of, one of her husband's records. Like, maybe she doesn't know it's Assault Attack. Yeah. Maybe she doesn't know it's the autographed Assault Attack album. But still, she's like, oh, yeah, no, that's fine that you play with an incredibly breakable thing that your father cherishes. Just yeah, have fun with it. So... Fuck her for that. And I'm just... No wonder this man is so fucking apathetic and depressed. His family is shit. They don't respect anything that he values, it seems. They don't give a fuck about him or the things he loves as a person. If I was OG, 
there would be no more of this show after this scene <laughs> because I would be going to jail. Because what? do you do you? I'm not gonna. There's there's traffic approaching on the road. You could see it from from the apartment. Yep. I'm not gonna try to run down there and get the record. I'm gonna throw the kid that threw the record off the balcony down to the road to get the record for me. Either he's gonna get the record, or the people driving are gonna see a small child on the road and probably swerve or stop. Or he's gonna die. Who gives a shit? All outcomes are positive for Oji. Who? His family is garbage. So, anyways, he runs outside. He's running all the way down, and we get the classic thing that it's doing now. Every time he runs, chugging guitar chords, cutting back and forth, establishing how he's moving and whatever. And we cut back between him and a truck that's approaching. And just as he gets outside, just on the very edge of the sidewalk, the truck runs over his record. Mm-hmm. So. He does the classic anime thing of becoming his... He becomes completely pale. Standing in one place. And then his wife and child walk by. She's just like, you look really pale. Are you sure you're okay? Anyways, you should get ready for work. They're going to be late. Yeah. To which I'd like to run out. One, she doesn't seem to fucking care at all about this record, which we obviously know she doesn't. But also, she points out that he's pale and doesn't look well. And then says, you should get ready for work. She, she has no concern even for like his physical health at that point. She's just like, you look sick. Go to fucking work. I hate his family, which is probably going to make it easier on the anime as for the fans of the show. It's going to make it easier when he actually ends up with Layla at the end of the series. Yeah. Because we all hate his wife because she's an inconsiderate piece of shit. Like, yeah, absolutely. So now we're at work. And guess what? OG's dead inside. He looks dead inside. He is dead inside. I don't blame the man. And he's just boringly typing away at his computer. Oh, yeah, he says it's all been nothing but a dream, referring to the guitar and Layla and stuff last night, because, well, he was willing to, like, indulge in the idea of the fantasy actually being real when he woke up. Now he's just like, life is shit. It couldn't have been real. I couldn't have had a fucking moment of happiness. That's clearly not how this fucking works. It had to have been fake. My life's not that fucking good. There's a limited amount of happiness to be had in the world. And and I can have none of it. And none of it is mine. Yeah. But then Layla comes in, and he gets emotional seeing Layla. He's like... Oh, shit, that lady's actually fucking real. And he jumps out from behind his desk, and he's like, please tell me that what we had last night was real. Please tell me it was real. I need to go tell to heaven what, again. Tell me what I felt in my hands was real. And then we went to heaven together. Which, we're not wording it any better than he did, so... Yeah, it obviously is obviously obvious very, double entendre. Very inappropriate to be saying to an office co-worker who you met the previous day. While grabbing them tightly by the shoulders and kind of shaking them. But she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. That sounds like something a really drunk guy would say. I think you have a hangover. Let me get you something for that. Yep. Afterwards, though, he sits back down at his desk and he seems unable to concentrate on his work. So, he's, of course. He's just fantasizing about playing guitar, so air he, guitar. You know, so he starts air guitaring. So, of course, his boss walks up to yell at him and berate him. Yep. The next thing we see, we see him just kind of walking through the building. Yeah, getting ready to leave. Yes. Yep. And in in the women's locker rooms, the, the girls are talking about Ojai and Layla Potentially having an affair because one of them saw them walking together hand in hand last night. Yes. I'd also like to point out we immediately learned from this thing. Apparently, red, blue, and green work here. Yeah. Um, he rushes in to confront the women. Now, at least he wants to correct them and, like, come up with a story that, like, makes it seem like they're not, that he's not having an affair. But he's, he's like, wait, are you telling the truth? You saw us together? And he just wants confirmation that last night was real because his life is so terrible that he can't believe there was a moment of happiness. Yeah. So that the, fucking the, all. The woman nervously confirms it for him, and he takes off to find Layla. He he searches through the building. He's like, I'm going to fucking find this lady. Well, he, asks, he asks them, he's like, what, have you guys seen Layla? And she, they're like, we think she left already. Yeah. but So he searches through the offices anyways, because why not? He has nothing better to do with his life at the moment. And as he goes by one of the conference, office, conference rooms, Layla grabs him by the arm and pulls him into the room. Yes. And she basically immediately acknowledges it was all real. And then immediately begins undressing. So he's immediately like, whoa, 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 wait, 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 no, stop. And she is wearing weird space outfit. Yes, some type of space uniform. My favorite part here, though, is before this, she is wearing like a orangish peach lipstick. Yeah. And the time that he has looked away, she has wiped that off and applied bright green lipstick to match like her earrings. Blue greenish, yeah. Yeah. And she has also put in new earrings and taken off her glasses. No, 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 no. When she pulls the dress off, those uh, come off the... too. Or the dress has an energy projection. I mean, yeah, it. maybe it's all projection, but I just love the immense degree of change here. Yeah. That seems to only come from her taking off like her outerwear. And 
she starts to show him some footage from a battle going on between her people and another alien race. And she's telling him about how he's the only one that can help them, the only one that can save them. And then she takes him through another door out of the conference room. And this time onto what she says is the spaceship. Yes. And we get into the spaceship and we get a scene of them flying off into the dark of space. And this is where she explains that her people are currently fighting in a war and they need him to help. Yep. And he's like, well, what can I do? And she's just like, play. Play the guitar. Play music. Here's, here's your guitar. Play. After playing the Flying VA, he is once more just on Earth, walking around, walking down the street. Yeah. And I believe this is where Layla's talking about, how, like, she'll need him to help out multiple times, but, like, mm-hmm. you can't come here just on your own. You can't just come play whenever you want. We are... You can't trigger the giant death laser without us aiming it somewhere. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> but <laughs> he's just like, I, I don't care. I get to play music again. Uh, I have a place where I can come and play music and not be around my shitty fucking family. Yeah, so when he gets home... He's locked out. Yeah, he's locked out because he's been gone all night long. All night long. And it's not that he doesn't have his keys as his wife has put the fucking really shitty chain lock on. Do you mean the ones that are really easy to undo? Yeah, I assume he just didn't break it because it's an inconvenience for him because he'll probably have to replace it. You can undo those without breaking them. Yeah, but most people don't, like, immediately know how to do that. It's not hard, though. You're right. There's a reason why most places don't use those anymore. Anyways, though, his wife wakes up, I'd say early morning, it's still kind of dark out. Yeah. And goes to open the door, and she sees her husband. And she's immediately upset that he was out all night. Not for any reasons that, like, he was out all night and she was bored. It's because, well, what if someone had broken in? To murder her and Gin. It boils down to Whoa. he doesn't care about his family. Yeah, what if Gin was sick? What if there was an earthquake? I can't carry Gin and the emergency supply back. Do you even know where the local earthquake shelter is? And be, as he goes to answer, she immediately cuts him off and just like names the fucking place. I think it's a school nearby or some mm-hmm. shit. And she's just going on and on. And he's just like, I'm sorry. And like, he's not being sarcastic about it. He's just like, I'm sorry. Because the man's in a good mood, so fuck it. Yeah. So, apparently, while he was waiting, because the door was locked, he went to a nearby market or store. Yes. And bought some stuff. Um, and so... He mentions that, and his wife's just like, I don't forgive you. And then he takes off his glasses, and she's, like, dazzled for some reason. Yeah. And they go inside. Um, and he starts, like, cooking breakfast and every- for everybody. Yeah, and- we, we got to the them cooking breakfast. Their son is up now, too. Yeah, and she's like, well, this still isn't good enough. I'm not going to like forgive you and he's like that's fine and she's like well as punishment we have to go see those new model homes that, that i've been asking about and he's like and he's that's like fine. we can do it on my next day off and he, he's like we can do it tomorrow have a day off and she's once again surprised by that and like this is it's like he's happier his wife is happier and it's all because he gets to play music like she's been so suffocating on his on, on yeah. his ability to like play guitar and like enjoy music that she has actively ruined her own life. Yeah. Literally, at a point, she's suspicious of it. So she's just like, what's going on? He's like, I have a place to play guitar again. And she's upset about that. Yeah, she she doesn't look happy. She's like, okay. Yep. So the next day, the family goes on a tour of some new model homes, which is yes. a very large public event, which... Doesn't make sense. Yeah, which... But in his head, we see and hear him, because we, we see some flashbacks here, and hear him just listening to music remembering some music yeah that thing i do in public when i don't want to fucking deal with people and I've he, got music he, jamming through my he head he kind of thinks to himself that there's too many people here this is smothering i don't want to be here yeah why did i agree to this and so on and so forth and then he gets called by layla well before that i don't understand the point of this thing because it is in here though and it does take up like a minute to like two minutes oh, of time i probably didn't note it because it doesn't matter yeah but maybe it does later i don't know it doesn't seem to but it also has the point with the worst voice acting. So his wife is talking to the real estate agent and he's farther away and his son's like stopped in front of him. So he decides to take his son and just walk away from this event. And his son in horrible voice acting, I, it, someone was clearly trying to do a child's voice and did it badly. It's just like, stop, it's hurting me. And then he gets the phone call and then his wife appears over his shoulder. Yeah. And yeah. It's Layla because they're engaged in warfare and they need him to go to the a model apartment. Wait, what? Well, it's the same model home from the first night. Yes. And do stuff. And he's like, uh, I can't. I'm kind of busy. And his wife's like, who are you talking to? And he's like, I thought only I had your cell phone number. And he's like, 
he starts making it seem like he's talking to his boss while simultaneously letting Layla know that he's with his wife. They're near the model apartments and he can meet her there. Yeah. So they go to the model home where OG first went to space. And we see Layla and red, blue, and green, or as I have taken to call them at this point, the three dunces, Mm -hmm. talking. And Layla's like, I'll need you guys to separate him from his wife. And And so when they show up, the three exercise girls kind of like start exclaiming. They're like, oh, oh, no way. You're our 300th visitor to this house. And that as the 300,000th visitor to this model home, we have a special tour for, for, for just the wife, the homemaker, so she could truly appreciate how awesome this home is. Because it's a 300 millionth visitor, which is more than the population of Tokyo. We just want you to know how important you are to us. At least the, pop- the population of Tokyo in 1999. I just had to look it up out of curiosity. So these three aliens kidnap his wife and son. L- literal alien abduction. They grab them and run away. Yep. His wife comes out of the living area in the house to see a man slip into the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And she thinks it's Ojai and that he's with another woman. Yes. When she opens the door, it's just a guy throwing up. It's supposed to be like a false scare well, for the audience. She doesn't open the door right away because the three are talking and are still trying to distract her. Mm-hmm. And they all fucking fell to come up with a lie at this point. They're like, we got her inside the house and away from her husband. What's, the, what's after that? So... Subsequently, they all three fell, but one's just the idea of, oh, the prize is, we play cards now. Yeah, and she she was like, nope, not doing that, and then she saw the guy go into the bathroom. Yeah. It wasn't her husband, but because she can't find her husband, she ends up giving in and playing cards. cards. Yeah. Um, at this point, Ojai is... On the ship, playing guitar. Yep, he's thinking, man, these concert halls are just more and more massive. And I can't tell if this is supposed to be a joke. I think he actually thinks he's playing in concert halls. Well, I'm not sure. Like, I'm, I am confused by it, because I don't know if it's supposed to be a joke. If it's, like, his way of comprehending and dealing with this weird alien fact, or whatever. Whatever whatever it is, he's just glad to be able to, like, have time to himself, to be himself, and just play music. Yeah. So, he, he starts playing this really nice-sounding solo. And as he plays, the alien armada that he's helping starts begins to decimate the other one, blowing up planets and asteroids and ships. Only and one planet. And so Layla excitedly, like, charges across and jumps and does the whole classic one leg up and gives him a kiss on the cheek. Yep. At this point, his wife has given up with the card game. Is like, where's my husband? What are you, where, where is he at? And starts, like, exploring the house looking for him. Yeah, she's like, I know he disappeared with some sex pot. Yeah. One of the three girls at this point lets slip that. that He's she not knows. even popular in the office. That doesn't make sense. Yeah, she's like. Mr. Tanaka is not even popular at work. So the other two immediately hit her on top of the head at that classic both right degree angle, fist down. Yeah, Yoshiko, though, is so upset she doesn't really fully notice. notice. Yeah. And um, then Oji shows up with some flowers. Yeah, just when she's about to have a full full on meltdown, Oji shows up with a bouquet and Layla's lipstick still on his cheek. Yeah, and he gives her the flower. She, she doesn't notice that because she's distracted by the flowers. Yeah, he gives her the flower and says the rental managers just wanted to thank them for looking at the homes personally. And then the three dunces charge across because they know lipstick and wipe it off before his wife does. Yep, and she's looking at the bouquet, so they manage to wipe it off without her seeing. And they leave the apartment mo- model buildings, and that's basically and, yeah. Ojai tells Yoshiko that she that today seems to be her lucky day, and they should continue walking around looking at more houses because she could, she could get even luckier or find a great deal because they she is apparently interested in buying an actual house. Yep, which is understandable because their apartment is kind of small and shit. But she, if I was OG, I wouldn't want to live in a house with this woman. Yeah, she's appeased by this and happy, and they walk off and we cut to credits. Yes. So, Justice, what do you think of episode two? Okay. Episode two is less dark than the first one. It yes. definitely still has its moments. And they're, they're still in the beginning. Like, this episode, I hope, does not establish a trend for the show of being dark at the beginning and then they're just lighthearted at the end. Yeah. Because one, that's boring, and two, also... And yeah. they, they don't mesh them well, really. That's true. But even still at the end of this, I'm still intrigued and kind of want to watch the rest of the show. But again, not for the fucking lighthearted moments, but because I kind of want to explore OG's like fall from happiness and being a rock star to middle-aged man, depressed, not I like, meet the married rest of the band. to this horrible woman. I just want to meet the rest of the band. I do, too. Also, because they keep mentioning... I also want to know how they broke up, because I, I 100% at this point think it's Yoshiko's fault. Yes. Well, originally, I misheard her name, and I thought it was Yoko, so I, I made a joke about her breaking up the band, mm-hmm. but as it's gone on, I'm like 98% certain her personality ruined that band. 
Yeah, no, 100%. Also, because like, I keep mentioning Michael Schechner, I hope he has like, some weird guest appearance in this dub. <laughs> that would be insane. <laughs> um, I would love that. I doubt it, but I want it. Yeah. But overall, how do you feel about the series? Overall, I still think it has that weird disparity between dark and light tone, but I definitely think it's a good watch. Like, it is intriguing, mainly for the darker aspects. I do think its ending is going to be able to be seen from a mile away. I feel like I already have a very good idea of what it's going to be. See, I know what you think the what the ending is going to be, but I think you're wrong. I think there's like two possible endings, but okay. either way, now that shoot shoot them. Well, there's actually I, I think there's I thought there were four initially. Okay, shoot them. There is the one where he leaves his wife, ends up happily with Layla, and is actually doing music stuff again. There is him still with his wife, somehow reconciled with her because he's happy again because he's doing music, and Layla and them all leave. Then there is the one where Layla and her alien people are evil, and he has been tricked into murdering people, though that doesn't feel like that's going to happen just because of the length of like the show and he somehow ends up happy with his life and leaves or this man just ends up extremely depressed and like done with everything okay so i just want to let you know they're 100 percent not evil and i know that before i read the synopsis for the last episode because of the tagline for the sh- for the tv sh- series oh yeah I-, I figured that's that one's not likely hard rock save the space means these aliens aren't evil. yeah no no i very much didn't think that was what i'm just saying like from the show, the way the show is portrayed, other than the tagline, that is a possibility. But that's a swerve that we're getting more and more in like the two thousands. Mm-hmm. Can I just just hit some quick things I, I've read from this quick synopsis? I haven't read the whole thing. I don't know how the series ends. But some bigger quick... spoilers if you want to watch the entire show, because I am going to allow this. Okay, continue. So the entire band does get together. Okay, they they they're forced to play a marathon session in the final battle to stop the enemies. Yeah, because Black Heaven is where they get the sound, and they're playing directly against. An evil antagonist band who are clones of Black Heaven. Okay, that's dope. Are they called White Hell? <laughs> I don't know. Meanwhile, while this is all going on, while literally o- OG is playing for the protection of his planet because this alien race is going to kill his yeah, planet yeah. if they get through these other aliens, his wife is filling out divorce paperwork. I'm happy he's not fucking stuck with her. <laughs> like, <laughs> I told you, he's either going to be like playing music and happy and leaving his wife or not. Like, like there's like four basic outcomes and i think that falls into one of my four so now we're back if you wanted to skip that weird spoiler thing i only found that because i was looking for how many episodes there are because there are 13 episodes for this mm-hmm. so just these first two episodes you're about 15 percent of the way through the series yeah i'll probably finish this at some point agreed for me though there is still this disjointedness between like the philosophy of the show and the comedy of the show, it doesn't The comedy jive. doesn't feel like it fits. Um, this episode, though, has a lot less emphasis on the religiousness of music. Yes. And the sexuality of music is toned down a lot, too. Like, the closest thing is that kiss, but, like, yeah. whatever. Kisses aren't sexual. I um, mean, arguably, it is still a sexual connotation, because you do have to keep in mind we are watching a show from Japan where interpersonal in the 90, touch in the 90s, is yeah. much, much worse. Uh, yeah. Not worse, much more has much more weight however this episode really hammers home like this underlying idea that music as a as a personal savior like something that can like make your own life fulfilled and have meaning not just music i think it's i think when we have shows about music or anything in this general i think it's artistic things yeah outlets for people yeah i think with more subtle notes on the religiousness and the sexualness of music and more emphasis on how music can affect an individual, and not just themselves, but the people around them. Yes. How art can make yeah. one person have a better life. Yeah. I think the show has a cool meaning to it underneath it all right now. Also, just like animation-wise, for the ninety, for the late 90s, it's also still really well animated. It's got some really cool moments. I don't know if like most of it is good. I mean, it's, it's well animated for the night. Yeah, the it's, none of it's bad, though. Like it, it is just older animation, so if you're going and expecting like animation qualities of like fucking my hero academia or dragon ball super whatever like of course you're not gonna fucking get that it is 21 years old people almost 22 now because it's 2021 now bitches yep so that was black heaven or the legend of black heaven yes so i guess we're just gonna stick with our general stuff yeah 100 percent. if you guys want to contact us you can email us at 
copilotsreview at gmail.com. Or you can hit us up on the Twitter at copilotsreview. Or you can find links to our Discord, our Gmail, our Twitter, and this podcast at copilotsreview.simplecast.com. Before we actually head out, though, I do just want to remind everybody that Logic Defender and Cons finally dropped that Among Us music video. The Third Imposter. It's hella good. Check it, it out. It's absolute fire. You, know, actual, you, you should check it out. It'll make you happier. Music will make you happier, make your life better. The music video itself has a link to Tom's Wordsworth YouTube channel, and he does musical covers. He's who you should also check out because, you know, music makes your life better. It makes you happier. He does the vocal solo near the end of Third Imposter and just slays it. It is fantastic. Everyone involved did a great job, and I absolutely love the fucking thing. I would enjoy it even if I didn't fucking know these people. Yeah, so... Big Hell, che- I don't know, like, half the people involved on it. Big cheers to Jax. And Jack's Game Face. Jack's Game Face on, t- on Twitch. Twitch.tv backslash Jack's Game Face. Cheers to Logic Defender. Twitch.tv backslash Logic Defender. Cons. Twitch.tv backslash Cons. And Tom Woodsworth, who doesn't have a Twitch. Twitch but he has a wonderful YouTube channel. And just, like, thank you to everyone involved, including the people who had minor roles, minor speaking roles and stuff, who aren't credited in the notes and stuff. They're all wonderful people. Speaking anyways. of those people, which include our friend Hunter. Philippian um, Golem, yes. Hunter is the winner of our Christmas giveaway. I've had his item sent out for him now. I just want to thank everybody that submitted for the giveaway. Yes, thank you very much. I definitely want to continue doing that in, in the for future Christmases, just... I'm preferential to the idea of maybe not all of us doing it for Christmas. Maybe it'll be done for the second. Maybe we're going to do it for Hanukkah. You don't know. We don't actually care about the religious like points of Christmas. That's true. It's just the It's holiday. just really close to the 22nd, guys. It's just a holiday that was culturally ingrained into us. It's yeah, And it's the one that's extremely commercially successful. Anyways, thank you guys for flying with us. And you have a great new year. 